morning. Everybody awake today? Come on, I want an honest answer. Well, praise the Lord for the rain, huh? What a wonderful thing. I just, uh, when, when we moved here almost six years ago, from Minnesota, we were used to getting rain. <laughs> and uh, some of these summers here have been kind of dry for me, but uh, I'm so thankful for every rain that we get. I have a quiz here. Are you ready? Well, you guys are a bundle of excitement today, let me tell you. All right. Why did the father take an extra pair of socks to the golf course? That's right. <laughs> She's back on track. Where did you see that before? I heard more about pants. I heard it if you did it a hole in your pants, not your Oh, oh. A hole in one. Oh. She didn't even give you guys a chance. On. <laughs> well, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 21. Hope your week went well. Better than this fellow, a man returns from an overseas trip feeling very ill. He goes to see his doctor and is immediately rushed to the hospital to undergo a barrage of tests. The man wakes up after the tests in a private room at the hospital. The phone by his bed rings. Hello, this is your doctor. We have received the results from your tests. We found that you have an extremely contagious virus. Oh no, cried the man. What are you going to do? Well, the doctor said, I, we're going to put you on a diet of pizzas, pancakes, and pita bread. And that will cure me, asked the man. The doctor replied, well, no, but it's the only food we can slide under the door. <laughs> Poor fella. Uh, anyway, today we're going to look at a passage that really uh, refers to conditions in the tribulation period. But from time to time, uh, we are going to look, not every week, but we're going to look at uh, some things that you and I need to know concerning the last days, if we're going to be a Christian who cares, a Christian that is walking about knowing what, why God has put him here and uh, the times that we live. And uh, so Jesus was teaching in the Olivet Discourse. We call that in Matthew 20, 24, uh, 25, 24 and 25. And, and here in Luke, it's different chapters, but much of the same teaching. And um, uh, that it was an answer to what the disciples asked him, Lord, uh, when are these things going to happen and so on. And so he was relating a lot of what's going to happen in the Great Tribulation period. I believe the church will not be here, but I also believe that the beginnings of what what's going to happen then are, we are seeing now. It's called our trembling world. Did everybody get a message sheet that wants one? Okay. Jesus' teaching, Luke 21, and we'll start with verse 25. 
And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth. We call this the three, the triple terror of the last days. We're seeing a lot of it already. And on earth, distress of nations, number one, with perplexity, number two, the sea and the waves roaring, and men's hearts failing, verse 26, them failing them for fear, number three, and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then, I'm going to read 27 and 20. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draws near. Lord, I thank you for our time today and I pray that our hearts would be emptied of self and things and thinking on the Word of God today, a gift from you. And I pray it would arrive in our hearts with the smell of heaven still on it and help us to understand the times in which we live in, in these messages in the next months off and on as we dip into here and Revelation and other places. Thank you. Thank you for this church family and the joy of knowing you and the fellowship that they enjoy. And uh, we pray again you'll lead them and guide them uh, in their search for a pastor. And uh, until then, uh, help them to be faithful in every way in the work of the ministry here. Thank you again for these times in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if you have your notes, the triple threat of the last days, distress of the nations, perplexity, and then fear. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that trembling world. I don't know if you've realized or listened to the news, but uh, I mean the nations, the world is trembling, not just from some pandemic, but you got knotheads ruling Iran and you've got the threat of China that's not afraid of the United States. Well, not very many people are afraid of the United States anymore. And you have uh, uh, Russia, and you've got North Korea, and you've got other nations. And uh, the Middle East is still a tinderbox. The next time missiles fly over uh, from the West Bank into Jerusalem, I don't know what's going to happen. We know that God is in control, but our world is trembling. Psalm 2, you don't, don't turn there, but Psalm 2 says, Why do the nations rage and the heathen demand the same, uh, uh, and, and the uh, heathen imagine a vain thing? Why do the nations rage? Well, it's all part of the, you know, God has a plan for converting this world, this trembling world, from man's sin and misrule to the eternal reign of Christ. Isn't that great? God has a plan for that. And this, this is not meant to discourage anybody. This is to excite you with a spirit of anticipation that God is in control, and no matter what the nations say or the world system, listen, 
And, you know, I, I, uh, I was amazed a while back, a couple of years ago, when the news failed to tell you about some group that joined the ISIS, and just in Nigeria alone, they killed 17,000 people. We had to go to missionaries to find out what was going on in, just in one country. It's, a, it's an evil time. So for us, it's an exciting time as our redemption draws nigh. So we see the beginnings now, even though this is primarily in the tribulation period, just before the second coming of Christ. By the way, here's something that might help you in your studies. I hope you study the Bible. And, and here, let me tell you four things that might help you understand the emphasis. The Old Testament, number one, emphasizes the millennial reign of Christ. You can write this on the back of your... I think it'll help you to understand. It doesn't mean it doesn't mention the first coming. Of course it does. Isaiah 53 and Isaiah, you know, all that mentions the first coming. But the emphasis in the Old Testament is the millennial reign of Christ when he comes back after the tribulation and all nations flow to Jerusalem. Israel is the centerpiece and earth will know peace and, and prosperity for a thousand years It'll be a wonderful time. Old Testament promises that in so many places. And the New Testament mentions it, but primarily Old Testament. The Gospels now, number two, the Gospels emphasize the second coming of Christ. We see that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the four Gospels. And uh, there, there's an emphasis there. Remember, they had Christ living with them. And uh, so the emphasis of the teaching was second coming of Christ. The epistles, you know what the epistles are, right? They're the little thistles that get into your, no. The epistles, that means from, from uh, well, Acts is not an epistle, but from Romans on uh, until you get to Revelation are epistles, basically. You have the Pauline epistles, you have the pastoral Epistles, you have uh, uh, first, second, third John, you have Peter, and all that. So they emphasize the rapture of the church, number three. You see it taught very clearly in the epistles. So all of this is prophecy, but they, they, they emphasize that. Revelation, then, the last thing you need to remember Revelation emphasizes the tribulation period. And if you look at Revelation, you will find from chapter 6 all the way to chapter 18, that's the bulk of the book of Revelation. The church isn't even mentioned. But God and all the consummation of events will uh, just unleash in the book of Revelation in chapter 6 through Chapter 6 starts with the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The interesting thing about Revelation is in chapter 1, you have John giving his testimony on, on the island of Patmos, and he sees a vision of the glorified Christ. And in the end of that chapter, you have the most tremendous key to understand the book of Revelation. It's Revelation 1.19. It's write the things which you have seen, 
the angel told John, that's chapter 1, write the things which are, chapters 2 and 3, the seven letters to the churches, present tense. And then from chapters 4 and on, and the things which thou shalt be thereafter. It's a beautiful outline right in that. It's a key verse of understanding Revelation. And we're going to look at the churches, the seven letters, and all that. Unless you get a pastor first, which is great. We're praying for you in that direction. And um, if I had some names to drop in the hat, I'd do it, but I don't. And uh, all I have is what I gave you, Randy, and in terms of contacting places. But, uh, you know, God has a time. So if he tarries, uh, and uh, I'm still here with my hoarse voice and uh, ridiculous quizzes, we'll, we'll look into some of that. Uh, stuff. So I, I just want you to know the Old Testament emphasizes the millennial reign. The Gospels emphasize the second coming of Christ. The epistles emphasize the rapture of the church. And Revelation emphasizes the tribulation period. Now there's, there's each one of those also talks about the other, but that's where the emphasis is. So let's look at our tremendous God. We already know the world is trembling. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to see that uh, values in our own country and the redefinition of the family and, and uh, oh, it's just this constant wave of assault on the Judeo-Christian values that we have is all over the place. It isn't just here. It's all over. And uh, by the way, you think it's bad here in Canada, it's even worse in uh, some of these attacks on our Judeo-Christian values. And Europe and Australia and our trembling world is losing its foundations. And you know what? God's in control. So let's go from there to our tremendous God. Let's look at the three terrors of the last days. Number one, distress. Okay, turn to John chapter 16. In this world, we will have trouble. Listen to Jesus speak in John 16, 33. These things have I spoken unto you that in me, that's the key, you might have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's why we don't have to walk around in, in distress and chewing our nails. Uh, we know who's in control. For the believer, Jesus has promised right there, I've overcome the world, and uh, it will happen. It's ha You know, we're, in the, we're on the right side. Amen? Amen. Huh? So, uh, in Christ, if you're taking notes, we can be victorious and experience peace. Now, here's something I want you to never forget. Remember, the believer never experiences trouble alone. Here's what Jesus said the night before he went to the cross to his beloved disciples in John 14, verse 16 through 18. He said to them, he says, And I will pray the Father... And he will give you another comforter. 
Well, who was the first one? It was Jesus himself. But he says, I will give you another comforter. Why? Because Jesus was going up to heaven. That he may abide with you how long? For ever. He may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not. Neither knows him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. That's his promise. We are not alone. We have the comforter. Praise God. So distress, uh-uh. We may not understand everything. We'll get to that on the next one, perplexed. But I'm telling you, when Jesus promised the comforter, I, I am so thankful for the, and in the Greek word, that's the paraclete. I didn't say parakeet. I said paraclete. That means one called alongside to help. Aren't you glad we don't face these last days of the church age? before this tribulation. And we've already been told the last days of the church in 2 Timothy chapter 3 are awful. But they're going to be a lot worse actually in the tribulation, period. But we have a comforter that will abide with us forever. I am so thankful. Well, I'll tell you what. You can't beat it. So distress, no. We have a tremendous God who, will, who tells us that we will never go through trouble alone. Job, uh, in Job, the, there's a verse that says, man is born unto trouble as sparks fly upward. Kind of a famous verse, you probably heard it. And there is trouble here because of the sin curse. We know that. But we have the Lord and it makes all, he makes all the difference. Let's go to number two, perplexed. This term means, this is the actual definition of it, no way, finding no way out. You ever feel that? I have. You ever feel trapped by circumstances? How is this going to work out, Lord? I mean, that's just common in life. It happens. Perplexity means finding no way out. But God has an answer to that, one of the most beautiful psalms you'll ever see. I ask you to take your Bible and turn to Psalm 46. We don't have PowerPoint. I hope you have your Bibles with you. If not, I hope there's some in the pews or something. It's important that you see from Scripture what this says. Psalm 42. Uh, 42. Did I say 42? Well, I sure meant 46. Psalm 46 is for times when your world is shaking. Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Do I hear an amen from the believer? Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea, though the waters... Uh, there are roar and, and are troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Selah. There is a river, the streams, 
whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place, the tabernacles of the Most High. I love verse 5. God is in her midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. Verse 6, the nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is your refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he has made in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow, cuts the spear asunder, burns the chariot in fire. And then this wonderful verse that so many believers ignore. They hear it, but do they practice it? Be still and know that I am God. That's right. Be still and know that I am God. You know, we'd, do, we'd rather do anything than sit still and listen to God and commune with Him. We, I mean, all good things, too. Be still. You know, you can't rush God, and He has a plan. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. So really, when your world is shaking, Psalm 46 needs to be embraced. And I know we're not in the tribulation period, but boy, we see signs everywhere. Listen, to fill out your notes, God is our hiding place, verse 1. He is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He is our strength and present help at all times. I read to you verse 1, verse 5, and also verse 11. You know what we need to do? We need to go to that secret place where you and, and the Lord meet. And I... I'm sure many of you do, but I found in my life that's the one place Satan dreads for me to go. Somebody wrote this little poem, I don't know who. I know a place, a secret place, a calm when the wild winds blow. A place I know, a place of sure retreat where the soul and the master meet. Oh, tell me why as the days go by, and sorry the winds may blow, that I do not go to the place I know, a place of sure retreat, where the soul and the master meet. We may not understand everything, but perplexity will disappear in the valley of trust when we, when we get to the place where, our, where we meet our Savior. How about that third one, afraid? I've been in ministry for 47 years, and invariably every once in a while in every place that I've ministered, I find that there are some who live in fear, even believers, and they just can't seem to trust the Lord. And, you know, Jesus addressed this in John chapter uh, 14. So I'm going to read that uh, to you. John chapter 14, verse 27. 
And it says this. Oh, that's 15. Hang on. 1427, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. Same night before he is betrayed. My peace I give to you. See, fear and peace have trouble coexisting. Because fear produces worry. And worry, as I've always said, is assuming responsibility that God never intended for you to assume. Anyway, uh, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And the point is, he makes the difference. Someone once said this, it has been said that most people in our world are being crucified between two thieves. The regrets of yesterday and the fear about tomorrow, and that's why they can't enjoy today. I'm going to read that again. It's been said that most people in our world are being crucified between two thieves, the regrets of yesterday and the fear about tomorrow, and that's why they can't enjoy today. And that doesn't have to be. Jesus makes the difference. Anyway, so... If you're taking notes, someone has said this. This is in your outline now. Fear judges God in the presence of difficulty. Faith judges the difficulty in the presence of God. Amen? Huh? How big is your God? What's he able to do? Fear judges God in the presence of difficulty, and you could see that in Numbers 13 and 27 through 14.10 at Kadesh Barnea, the point of no return. They were afraid of the giants in the land of the promise. They were afraid of this and afraid of that after all they seen God do. They judged God in the presence of difficulty, but faith, real faith that pleases God, judges the difficulty in the presence of God. So we ask this question, is your faith in the one who calmed the sea? A look at Psalm 20, verse 7 says this, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. You better believe that as we live in these last days where the triple threat of the terror, the triple terror, distress, perplexity, and fear. And uh, remember the name of the Lord your God. And also 1 Peter 3.12, I love this verse. This is what it says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers but he is against the wicked. Now, that's a promise from the Lord. The eyes of the Lord, are over the, he's looking at you. That's why Peter went on to say in that book, casting all your care upon him for, finish it with me, he cares for you. I told you you weren't quite awake today, but you're coming along, come on, come on. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. Remember, 
Our God is unique. There's no one like Him. He's unlimited. He can do anything. He's unaffected by the exercise of His power. He's unequaled in purpose. He's unmistakably committed to His own. So no matter when we're living, at what stage, you remember that our trembling world is no match for our tremendous God. Amen. Lord, I thank you for our time together. Help us not to be defeated by fear or perplexity or distress, but to grab hold of the whole armor of God, the promises of Scripture, and allow the Comforter, the one called alongside to help, the Holy Spirit of God, to be our guide and our strength. Thank you that you are our hiding place. And the peace that you give, the world doesn't know anything about. But in these days, as we think of the consummation of time coming upon us, help us to be ever, ever faithful to you and love you with all of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.